to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest is Brian Hurstman from Top Gun Basketball. We talk hoops, we talk life. Let's dive right in. All right, so uh, Brian Hirschman, welcome to the show, Fadeaways and Fundamentals. What's up, man? How's it going? What's that? It's going well. It's going well. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much. So, hey, Brian, um, let's just do a recap for people that do not know you globally. So, um, I know that you're a, a founder of Indie Hoops. You're a founder of uh, Top Gun Basketball. Um, you studied coaching at the University of Arizona. You got your MBA at Point Loma Nazarene. Um, you went to school at Scripps Ranch High School in San Diego. So what's you in basketball? Did you play basketball in high school? Did you play in college? What's up? Tell the listeners. So, I mean, I, I originally played, uh, I was really into baseball. I played a lot of baseball growing up. Uh, I didn't, I actually didn't start playing basketball until um, my friend, um, it was funny, he used to, when I was in fifth grade, he used to come to school every day in like a jersey. So, he had this like Rodman jersey on the Spurs. I was like, what's up with this guy? So, we became started becoming friends, but I like to play a lot of different sports. So, um but I didn't, like, the, the reason why I played Little League is, like, you know, everyone played it, and I, and I loved baseball. But basketball, there was nothing in my community. Um, so it was pretty funny. Like, in Scripps Ranch was, was a developing community, long story short. Um, everything was, like, in Mira Mesa down the way, so which was not our community. So uh, my friend that I met in fifth grade, he, he said, you got to play in this Mira Mesa rec league. It's so fun. So I went over there, but it was, like, it was not a fun experience for me. But then the next year, there was uh, NJB started in Scripps Ranch. It was more organized, and I and I had a really good experience with it. So uh, I fell in love with basketball, and I actually had some pretty good. I got lucky to, to have some like really really good coaches, uh, just just by ra- randomly. And then um, I got really into it. And started uh, that's when club basketball started forming, and uh, you know uh, it used to be called USIU. But at the time, you know, I, you know, that's in Scripps Ranch, so now it's called the Lion, and I was there when it first opened, and then that from there there was leagues and tournaments, and you know that was like the coolest center in the, the whole country, um, and so you know I just got really passionate and just started focusing on basketball, and uh, I played at high school, um, but yeah, I was always I, I was like the prototypical um, guy that like you know everyone would tell me you're going to be a coach, you're going to be a coach, it's just the way that I kind of I was very cerebral. And I wasn't very athletic. I couldn't jump. I couldn't run fast. But I knew the fundamentals and I knew the intangibles. And I, I had some leadership qualities that I would help. And that's what got me on the team and ended up helping me. You know, and I knew how to shoot. So I had I had a, a role on the team for varsity. And from there, I, I knew right away, you know, I, I, I wasn't good enough to be a college basketball player. But I didn't want to give the game up. So I was like, All right, I'm just going to coach then. Cool. All right. Well, um, how did uh, the whole Top Gun, Top Gun, um, becoming a founder of that, and what that is, and also, what's up with indie hoops? 
let's just do a quick recap for people what that is. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, to make a long story short, uh, I, I when I came back from University of Arizona, I, I tried uh, tried to learn. I went there because I, I had a great experience at the Lute Olson basketball camp back in the day. And so I had a feeling that that was a place that I needed to be at. So I learned from people there. I came back and started coaching at my alma mater. So uh, I was at Scripps Ranch, and I was coaching the freshman team. And, uh, and I had an eighth-grade feeder team. I took the eighth-grade team and turned it into a seventh, a sixth, and a fifth-grade team. And then the guy that hired me got fired, so then they made me the interim coach at Scripps. So the, the funny enough, like, at one point, within a couple of years, I was coaching the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, freshman, JV, and varsity team at Scripps. I had the whole program. So, uh, but the, I was having problems getting into the gym. There's always there's always gym problems here. So uh, there's an opportunity with Miramar College opening up, which is a brand new four court facility. So basically, I, I pivoted to going over there, started coaching junior college, and uh, brought my teams over there. And we're like, what sort of basketball academy? Let's do clinics, and, and then we started off with Sunday clinics, and then we turned it into camps and tournaments and things like that. And then, and that was for like it, you know it started off there, then it became more of a San Diego brand. And then Indie Hoops was, well, as we started getting more passionate into AAU or club basketball, because I didn't really know much about it when I was in college. And I came back, and I was like, what is this? What are all, all these teams? And I saw that it had a lot of work to do. So I thought that uh, our idea was, um, you know, the idea was to do something that was kind of like max preps for high school, but do it for club because there was nothing like it. Right, so it right, right. started off as a database, and as it grew, it just became the organization and the, the database. And we did we do Indivisible Hoops is, is a rankings and ratings type of website for club basketball across the country, and uh, you know, hopefully globally, as you said uh, before. Right. Okay. Wow. So Indie Hoops is like it's big. So you you created something very big in the basketball community. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think so. Uh, I think that it's it just showed, like, how fast we were able to, to like, leapfrog to, like, this, this authority position just went, goes to show that there was, like, some sort of need for it. So, um, and when we did the rankings, it got a lot of attention, a lot of controversy and things like that. So we became very popular. And I think I was just really lucky because uh, I think, like, with, with – the timing is, is is right for it because of social media and how quickly it was able to grow from that. Right, right, right. Okay, so let, let me ask you this. Like, okay, so social media is growing. Um, obviously, um, I, I feel as a coach um, that the game has, has definitely evolved. I think parents are very... They're, they're, I would say that they're involved, but they're more like they feel like they're they almost live the they live through their kids more, you know. So I I think parents are thinking more more games, less training, more games, less conditioning, because they want their kid to be the next star at some big college. So for me, I think that they're they're all about these games, whereas I think that's hurting the kids 
do do you think that or 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 do you see that being with indie hoops and being with Top Gun and putting on all these uh these uh tournaments and stuff? What what do you see or or what do you think? Well, well, I think that I don't know. I don't think that it's a chicken or the egg type of thing because I don't necessarily think that they're the ones that want that. Maybe necessarily as the point of a lot of people just kind of go with the path of least resistance and the things that are just easy to do and, and with the trend. So the trend is obviously, you know, as I've seen is that there's been more, like I said, Alliance used to be, was the only place in town, right? So, or in the country. And now you have a lot of these facilities. So what these facilities created was, was this more of this, uh, in club basketball is very entrepreneurial. It's very, uh, do something. And then like, and then the person, sees it and they're like I can do it better and then start it so you get all these new teams and then so the teams are looking for places to play and then and then the the tournaments want the clubs right so uh, I think that uh, there's been I think that it kind of started from from people seeing that there's no barrier to entry for club basketball like you just start a team and there's no barrier to entry really to run a tournament so as how it was easy to just do it, and that created more tournaments and games. And it's yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, um, there's a balance. I think that I mean, if you were to script out a, a perfect path for someone, um, you know, on their uh, from like fifth grade to high school and things like that, I think that there would you'd have to have a really good balance of training. And like consistent practices on a, on a consistent team, and and a healthy mix of playing in leagues and tournaments. I, I you know, I, you see people overdo it for sure, but I do think that it's because of um, the growth of club basketball being a business. So every single date is filled up with something to do, okay. and if it's not, someone's going to come in and do it. Right, and that I get that, sense. but like in like in my aspect as a coach. Don't you see, and as and as yourself, you're a coach as well, even though you put on uh, tournaments. D- don't you see that some people look at it just for the money, like, oh, this is a marketing scheme, and let me go make some money, but they're actually doing a disservice to parents and to players because they're not a coach. Like, you watch what they do, and you're like, I am so sorry, parents, but you guys are being had that guy's that guy or that woman is terrible at what they're doing or teaching do you ever see that well yeah i think i think that's something in general in life like you you know one thing is you you always have to kind of look at beware of perverse incentives meaning uh you know i i like this quote that i heard from uh i heard it said you know it's Never ask your barber if you need a haircut, right? Don't because they have perverse incentives. They're not going to give you the best advice. Like they're going to say, "Yeah, you need a haircut" because they want money, right? So if you look at it from that standpoint, there, there's obviously a lot of people that run it as a business and bottom line, which is, uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I, if I did it like that, honestly, I would make a lot. You know, you'd make a lot more money, obviously. But I'm, like, so passionate about it, and I have, like, a, a care of, like, 
uh, the long-term effects of certain things. So I look at things like that. But there are things like uh, that hurt the game for sure because they don't think about, like, they're not saying, well, are we doing too many events? Like, it's not like that. It's like, it's kind of like, well, we need to keep the lights on. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, okay, let's say that they have to pay their rent. So they're like running tournaments and events because they're trying to hit a number. And I understand the other side too. It's like, you know, yeah, you need to make money to have the the business successful. So there's got to be a balance there. But hopefully with Indie Hoops is what, what it has done is kind of weeded out some things that like, and make it more apparent, like, like this is a good tournament, like this is not. So like we want it to be like, uh, a filtering of information because most people just think that every tournament is just the same. Every league is just the same as long as they have a court and a ref. Oh yeah, and I don't think not. that that's the case. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's important the environment and the culture that you're around as you're developing is make or break. I just believe that. Oh no, I I totally agree. I mean, um, I'm I'm with you. I I'm very passionate on the game. When I, when I talk about it, I get I get very loud. I get very excited. I, I you know, um, and you know a lot a lot of parents always ask me you know, um, well how how do I get my kid better or or what should I do or even even high school kids come up to me and hey coach what do, what do I do to get stronger and faster and and better conditioned and I'm like, you know my one of my quotes I love using is um, it's your decisions not your conditions. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not yeah. your conditions of what you're in. It's your decision making. You know, you wake up and you say, what am I going to do right now? What am I going to do? What, what am I going to eat? I'm going to go lift hard and strong, not give it 50%. I'm going to give it 110%. I'm going to go out to the courts. I'm going to give it one hour of 110%. I don't care if the ball goes flying across the court and I got to go sprint and go grab it. I'm going to go hit that double crossover as fast and as hard as I can where it's uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? That's that decision, not them conditions. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it all comes together and that, like, are you going to be at the cause or are you going to be at the effect? That's how I see it. Exactly. So 99%, 90% or whatever people are just, like I said, Again, reactive, uh, like you said, with the, like just go with the flow, with the trends, path of least resistance, which is cool. I get that, but uh, everything that I've studied about successful people is that they feel like they're at the they're uh, not only they feel, but they're at the cause, not the effect. So I'll tell you how this plays out, right? And this is one of the biggest steps I took as a coach, like biggest epiphany I said. I thought was. Every single time I lose, it's a hundred percent my fault. Like hundred percent internal attribution. Like you see, most people they're like, they, they it's it was the refs, or it was this, or that kid cheated, or this. Oh, like, yeah. That's just telling me right away you attribute things externally. So I tell the kids and people, you, like, you are the only constant in life. Meaning, like everything else is a variable. You are the only constant. So. It doesn't matter what happens externally. If you have a bad coach, who cares? You're going to have that person. You're not going to see that person again. But you have to live with yourself for the rest of your life. You are at the cause. So it's kind of like you are going to be doing this 
or whatever, like you're the only cause in this whole game. Everything else is a variable. So control your own variables because you can't control a lot of the other things. Like you said, you can control how you handle them. And especially like when you're down and out and when you're at adversity. My mentor, one of my coaching mentors, uh, Ed Maddox from Fresno City said, you learn more from a funeral than you do at a wedding. That's what you learn more about people through adversity and things like that and what kind of decisions and choices they make. Are you going to make a, we call it, a broke decision? Like, we, I'm not saying it from, from a, a money standpoint, but a lot of people that are broke and are poor is because they're doing something broke over and over and over again, and they choose a short-term solution that keep, like that, that hurts them, and they stay in this, in this low spiral of negativity and... You know, and, and so I think that you hit it on the head there. It's it's the men, it's like the mentality, the mindset, and the philosophy that's going to determine how far you go in anything. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Absolutely. You know, I, I tell, like I said, I tell everybody that all the time. I can give you a a paper with a bunch of vomit on it, and it's it's up to you to do it. It's got to be inside of you to do it. You know, and, and with that, you know, we talk about like mental breakdown of the game, you know, um, basically mental breakdown, you know, that has to do with body control. Well, with body control comes from your mind, which is obviously if you if you're thinking body control in your mind, that means focus. Like, where is your focus in that game? You know, are you aggressive? You know, are you playing hard? Are you diving for every loose ball? Do you see a ball go up, whether it's a layup or a shot, do you see it and go, that's my rebound? You get what I'm saying? So how, how do you elaborate yeah, on, uh, on mental focus? How do you elaborate on that? Well, first of all, yeah, I think it's just like you have to un- like you have to understand that things are important for your brain to understand, like to look for it. And what I mean is this. So people are really driven by incentives and rewards. Like that's the ultimate superpower is incentives and and reward bias. So once you teach your brain that something is valuable, it's almost game over. Like you're going to do it. So I, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, his coach from, what was his name? He's from Chicago. One of his uh, personal coaches. I I, I forget his name. He wrote a book. I think it was called Focus. But he basically said that Michael Jordan was the most focused person he had had ever met. Like, their straight tunnel vision, like, bomb goes off to the left. Like, they don't even know. And I can relate a little bit to that uh, myself. Like, I can get so focused that I can even not see certain things that are right in front of my face. But I think that uh, the way I would elaborate on that is, number one, I think with social media and how how attention is so divided now that the next millionaires and billionaires or whatever are going to be the people that can focus like that's it. Like if they can focus from a a long sustained period of time, that's going to be like one of the greatest commodities that you can have because so many people are just not going to be able to do it. they say our attention span is now what four to five seconds, which is like below a goldfish now or like a dog. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of easy ways to get advantages now. I, I say focus and awareness 
just awareness. Like most people don't, like you ask kids, like, you know, how, uh, how many feet are the court? Is the court? Uh, I don't know. How, you know, how far away is the three-point line? Like, they don't even know stuff like that. They're like, well, why do I need to know that? It's because these are things that you're going through. You don't want to be, like, just going through life as, like, a pass-through or whatever. Like, you need to, like, be making distinctions and just as you go through. Like, like the main thing that I was taught to me, like, someone said this to me. They're like, okay, so you're on a keyboard every day, right? Like, what does the F4 function do? What does the F5 do? F6. I'm like, most people that like, I don't know. Well, okay, like, why is it there? They didn't put it there for no reason. There's obviously some function to it, right? Right. Like, so, oh, so, so, what, so open up your awareness. Like, you know, that's when I started, like, looking up. Like, okay, what does F4 do? What does F5? Like, so that's when I start, you start seeing, like, like, really opening yourself up. And that's when, like, you start becoming a better player without even practicing. It's crazy. It's weird. <laughs> Almost like IQ breakdown, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, man, I'm liking every second of that talk right now. You can just drop the mic. We can go home if you want. No, I want you going. <laughs>